This is the Resilient and Resourced Educator, and I'm your host, Danette Adams. On today's episode, we speak with Carolina. She is a grounded educator whose passion for teaching, social justice, and leadership extends beyond the classroom and out into the community. Please join us. I would like to start by inviting you to share a memory of a teacher or a mentor or a coach who was impactful for you. Oh my gosh. Um, there are so many. <laughs> it would be, it's crazy really. Like when I look back, I think my teachers were um, some of my biggest role models. And so it doesn't surprise me now that I've become a teacher, but I, I really remember my, my in Brazil, I'm from Brazil originally, so in Brazil, uh, we had, back when I went to school, we had an in-between grade, so like it was called specifically um, a literacy grade, so it was in between early years and grade one, so like it was an in-between uh, year, and we don't have that anymore, it's changed, the system has changed to kind of mirror this one better, but that particular year, basically back when I went to school was everything was focused on getting the children to be literate. Like it, they really focused that whole year. And you had one teacher and aside your gym teacher, but that one teacher taught you how to read and how to become a reader. And I remember Tia Jaciara fondly, like she was, uh, she, I still remember. She, I remember even like my parents, uh, they had to move and my parents were not, they didn't have their parents in the, in the states that we lived in Brazil. And she was the one that offered to keep us and say safely and say, no, do the move that one day and I'll keep the children. Like she was just, she was just an incredible human being. And I don't know where she is. I haven't found her on Facebook yet. I still keep hoping that I will, but yeah, she was just beautiful inside and out. Yeah. That's awesome. What a great memory. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So as we look ahead into, we're in mid pandemic right now, as we look ahead to a new school year, I know a lot of people are have some concerns but I also believe that we go into every challenge with just inherent strengths or skills that we've built strengths that we've earned and and um, honed so I'm wondering what strengths are you going to take with you into this next coming year uh right so I think for me again I just giving you a little bit of my background because it matters in terms of what kinds of strengths I pull from. Uh, I'm a mixed person. Um, my great grandmother in Brazil, my grandfather, they were indigenous in South America. I'm an immigrant. And um, with that comes a lot of understanding that life shifts, moves and changes on you on a whim. I mean, you know, my grandfather uh, had to leave everything behind to start new in a city that he really knew nothing about. And not only that, it was a very racist city in Sao Paulo at the time when he moved. Uh, you know, this is a brown man who moved to a city that had posters saying, keep the city clean, kill a brown man at the time, right? So, um, and that's the reality for people of color. So being a woman of color, an immigrant, I think some of the biggest things for me is uh, that that I draw from one is the memory the memory of what has brought me here and I know how hard my my grandparents have worked and and then when I look back and I think about them I just draw strength from them and I always pray at night thinking okay if you did it I can do it too if you've survived 
wars, uh, pandemics in your time, then I can do it too. And I will honor the, your, your efforts for me to be here. Uh, and the other thing is that intrinsic understanding that life is motion, that we created these tactic structures that are our schools and our homes and they're still, but truly life means change and change can be good and bad. Um, and it's really, you know, it will catch you off guard, but what you make with that makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. So I have this very uh, strong, rooted, positive attitude, not a flimsy positivity. I don't, you know, I don't like that shallowness of, you know, we, everything is positive. No, sometimes things hurt. I lost an uncle to COVID, like I lost family uh, during the pandemic and I was hurting. Um, you know, but also that drawing from my aunt's strength and seeing how she was able to carry on so gracefully. Um, we need to look at that best practices from each other and see, you know, what strengthens somebody, then can I tap into that? For my aunt, it's her faith. And I have my, my faith and I, I really draw from it. And I think, again, regardless of religion, to be able to tap into something that keeps your trust in the universe uh, and, and, and keep you uh, grounded so that you can always do your best. So those are some of the things. And, and for me, that's family. It's faith. It's what grounds me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's just going to be such a powerful um, companion for you as you go into the fall. That's great. So on the opposite side now, when things do get tough, what are some areas where you might need support from other people? You might need to lean on other resources when you're not feeling particularly strong. I think we have to really, all of us educators right now, we really have to be kind to each other and remember that we all have families, that we all are struggling regardless of our role in the system. Um, you know, I just texted um, someone who is, whose hierarchy is much higher than me, but I work with that person. And I just texted him to make him laugh the other day, like just because I don't know that somebody is actually thinking of the human behind a superintendent, for example, right? I said, hey, I just had this thought and I thought it was hilarious. He didn't write back, but anyhow, <laughs> he knows him well. But I just think like we have to remember that regardless of our, our place in the system, that we all have um, losses and we all have anxieties. And this is really affecting us all as human beings equally. And in, in, and in that regard, there is no hierarchy. You know, my principal, she is my boss and she is my leader, but uh, she's also a wife and her uh, partner works in the medical industry. So he's exposed. So, you know, we have to be kind, right? So I think, resources is, is really like making each other feel safe to ask questions, uh, to, to be able to say, I don't know how to deal with this, because really we don't know how to deal with a lot of the things that are coming our way right now. Um, and being supportive of each other. And if you don't have the answer, you can say, hey, I, I really don't know, but I'm going to look it up with you. Or, hey, I have these answers. They worked for me. And that's something I'm really adamant about is Sometimes we know something, but maybe it worked for me and it might not work just because it worked for me. It may not work for somebody else because they have a different classroom, a different experience, different sets of students. 
So I think, again, just looking out for each other, making sure we ask questions, make each other feel safe to ask the questions, access resources that you have at hand, but also be humble to understand that not all resources may work for everybody. Right. Um, and then, and then just, again, do the best you can with, with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. That's great. Um, I'm thinking about now you uh, mentioned earlier when we were talking before um, about you have two young children at home and, and what are your concerns about, you know, safety for your home and that kind of thing when you're going into a class, you're going to a school to teach, they possibly are going to other schools and your bubbles expanding exponentially. Do you, have you thought about whether or not you're going to put any specific protocols in place um, for you and your children? I have actually, interesting enough, um, it, and it, it is, I won't lie, it is causing me great anxiety. I'm dealing with it as much as I can, breathing through, trying to problem solve as I can. Um, one of the things that, so it, my situation is interesting. My, my children have two homes because they go between mom and dad, like I'm a, in a split family. Okay. Um, so they have two bubbles starting like from the get-go. That's, you know, and both parents are teachers. So that is, yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, and, and their uh, stepmom too is also a teacher. So it's really crazy. So it's a lot of exposure, really. Um, so, you know, other than the, the obvious, which is like wear a mask and, and there is no negotiation around that, we have taken some measures. And again, I just want to Danette, make it clear. This is what I feel that works for our family, right? I don't want people to get any anxiety of what we've chosen. And I'm very respectful of everybody's choice because I don't think we fully know what to do yeah. right now. And everybody's doing the best they can. One of the things we did is we pulled our children from daycare. We felt that, um, and, and it's a scramble, just even trying to now figure out what to do, how to keep them safe at that time. Like we've been scrambling, like I live with my best friend, um, we're not a couple. That's an interesting situation too, worth sharing because it, again, it gives people a different way of looking at things. We're just two single moms. We were tired of having a single income and we decided to combine income and combine the house and we each have our own, you know, little family areas in our house. But that means this friend of mine, she's actually working from home so I can leave my children here early in the morning and they can walk to school because it's two minutes away from them. Right. Um, and so that way it's less exposure to daycare. The other thing, we bought little clips for their masks. Um, I found something on Etsy so that in the event that their masks fall or they want to put it down for some reason, like to eat, I don't want that mask touching surfaces. Yeah. So, you know, just thinking of those little parts, right? Like, so then now they have these little clips that can, the mask stays right here on their, like just on their chest if it comes down. Um, we agreed, my daughters and I, we've talked about this and again, I don't even know if it makes any sense or not, but it just makes me feel safer. Like we're going to pull their hair back and they're not going to school with their hair loose anymore. Like, uh, just as a, you know, it's one less thing flopping around that, you know, so I said, you know, when, when you go to school, we're either going to braid your hair or, uh, the other thing, my, my sister-in-law, she is, um, a, a doctor in Spain. Uh, my brother lives in Spain. And one of the protocols that they had there at her house, because she was so exposed, I mean, she was working frontline. Um, she would come to the door, 
and, and right away at the door, she would take all of her clothes off and put it in a bag and then go shower right away. Like that was one of the protocols that they had, like her shoes didn't make it into the house or if they did, they, they stayed right at the door. So I think we do what we can and know. Um, so I'm planning on, you know, the girls come back from school and they go straight into the shower. I want those clothes in a bag and, and same thing with me so that we can hopefully, you know, keep ourselves safe. And the other piece that has been really, I've been investing a lot right now so that we can have, have a few things in place um, is an immune system boost. Um, so we've been really working hard here at home. I, we got rid of flowers, we got rid of all sorts of things and we are working with two different coaches, my friend and I, on nutrition and explaining to the children that it's non-negotiable now because we really need you to be healthy and you're gonna take your vitamins and we're gonna make food that you don't necessarily love, but so sorry, so sad. So, you know, we need to do everything we can to keep you healthy. So those are the things that we are trying to tackle here. Right. Well, those are some very practical things that if people do feel it suits them or their family that they could, they could do immediately. Just the little the things about the clips and then, you know, the showering when you get home and that kind of thing are just very helpful and practical. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Got the yeah. Children and the children have a linear to, to carry their own hand sanitizer. Like that's another oh, okay. thing. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. Just little things like that. I think that's going to be a great help. Earlier, you were talking about um, us having compassion, everyone having compassion because we're all in the same boat, but we all come at it from a different way. And some of us are more privileged than others and have more resources at our access. But would you have any other advice besides that having compassion for everybody for teachers who are really struggling, maybe with struggling to decide whether to go back to school or their, their anxiety levels that they're go when they are going back to school? Just any advice you'd have, maybe for a young teacher who's just starting out. Yeah, um, I think young teachers, whether, I think we wait a lot on the system to, for example, do things like partner up uh, young teachers with mentors. Um, I, from very early on in my career, I never waited for NTIP or I never waited for the system. Like I always try to scan the school and look at a teacher that I thought was someone that I wanted to emulate. And I always kind of went to that teacher and said, hey, would you mind mentoring me? Like, I don't want to add any more to your plate, but just to be someone that is a sound, sounding board to you. Um, and I think if teachers can, young teachers starting out who are placed in schools and not supply teachers, that's a different game altogether because they're going to be going from school to school. Um, and I think they, for those teachers who are going from school to school, I think they really have to take good care of their health. Like I think they really have to focus on their immune system and, and their mental health um, and not be ashamed of looking for therapy if they need therapy because of their anxiety. Like I'm gonna be looking at therapy soon because I know my anxiety is starting to peak with all of this. Um, so look for the supports that, that are in place. But with teachers in schools, so if there's a young LTO or a young contracted teacher, um, Take the initiative to find who, who you want as a mentor. Even if an NTIP is not in place for you that year, maybe you've done your NTIP and it's only your second year. You don't just quit being a young teacher on your second year just because your NTIP is done. Um, 
So connect with someone in the staff that you think is wise, older than you, and who can navigate this through with you. Because truly, it's not like we know much more than young teachers, but the difference is we have understanding that comes in handy now, which is life experiences. You know, like we know that we've lived through strikes or we've lived through other really weird things and so that navigation piece how to move through these uncertain times sometimes as a young person you don't have that innately in you and and you need someone to say to you hey one day at a time it's going to be okay someone to even i had a principal uh she recently retired and one of the things that she was the most uh like one of the things she taught me that, that is one of the most valuable things and she was very conscious of it she always said to me you need to to remember how to pace yourself. Mm. Take time to slow it down. And it didn't make much sense to me because, like, you know, you're younger and you're like, but it really does make sense now. And I am so grateful that she was there being that voice for me when I couldn't do it on my own, right? Yeah. So I think that would be something that I, and I have done, I would always, I would tap someone on the shoulder and say, hey, can you be my mentor? And that person needs to be someone that you trust, not only with curriculum. I think that piece needs to be in place. Someone who can, you can trust professionally to guide you towards resources and towards the, the, the right places in the system even, because even the website, it can be overwhelming, like, you know, Eero and, and SmartFind and all of those pieces, right? So that is one part. But also someone that you admire in a human way that can help you navigate this for your mental health and for your connection. But I think I, I say, find a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great advice. Yeah. I wish someone had said that to me early on uh, when yeah. I first started, because the, especially the pacing, the pacing part is, is true. It says you're young and excited and you just go. So, yeah. Yeah. And awesome. sometimes you need someone to give you permission, right? You need right. someone to give you permission to say, you know what? I think you should just go home and sleep today. You're looking messy and it's going to be worse for the children. But I wish someone had stopped me and said, no, you know what? Go home and sleep. Yeah. 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 Awesome. That's great. Wow. I would love to give you now a time to share places that people can connect with you either on social media or tell us a little bit. I would love to you to tell us a little bit about Feminine Harbor. I, I ah. to hear about that. Yeah, so um, about five years ago, I had this idea, actually, it's much older, but like it started coming together with my master's, I finished my master's in education in 2017. And I actually, I sort of looked at female leadership in education through my master's because I was looking at leadership, but I then specifically was interested in female leadership, because one of the questions was, well, um, you know, there are, there's a lack of female leadership in the world. People are noticing that now <laughs> in, and, you know, CEOs and, and in all sorts of industries, nonprofit, profit, um, healthcare, there's a lack of women in leadership positions. And my question was always, well, that's not true for education. <laughs> we have lots of very strong, fabulous leaders in education. So perhaps we're asking the wrong questions here instead of asking, why there's no more not enough leaders in the world maybe we should be asking at what is happening in education that allows 
for the environment for women to thrive as leaders because mm -hmm. there's an environment there that has been conducive. And it's funny, Danette, because at the beginning of my research, I got a lot of people saying, oh, you know, it's kids. And I was like, no, nah, I think you're, this is a very shallow rest response. I think there's more to it. And, and I'm pretty sure I can find it if I ask, but it was very discouraged. Mm -hmm. um, and, but sure enough, I found the research and there were people looking at those um, social aspects, like the social environment and what allowed for women to become leaders in education other than the fact that yes, it was connected to children and there was an innate sort of, not innate, but there was a desire for those women to be there. Um, and I started looking at those, um, those aspects. And when I realized that there was a pattern and there were things that were measurable, I thought, okay, how can I translate this to the community? How can I make that and transpose my research in female leadership in education with a more broader lens in the community. And that's how I created Feminine Harbor. Feminine Harbor is the idea that women can have journey, like it's a harbor because it's a safe place. It's feminine because it is about that women, women's journey, right? It's the feminine piece, um, but it's also a structure. Um, and so playing with that imagery with the stories of women who can come and go, who have had journeys, sometimes inner journeys, and, and a, a safe place for that journey to, to become someone's else's, someone else's inspiration. Because when you hear of a woman, like sometimes, you know, we have people that work with us and women that work with us and they're great teachers, but we don't know that they are, for, they, for example, they climb mountains. And then it's like a whole other aspect of that woman. They go, why you were, or a black belt on some, like I've had teachers that I worked with and then suddenly they were like black belt. And they're like, what? You do that <laughs> outside of here? Um, and, and that is so inspiring, right? So I just wanted that conversation to be amplified because that's to me what leadership really is. It's not just being able to navigate the system that we've created within the structures, but also how do you deal with life that comes with that system and how do you balance that life? That, that's one of the things I was interested. So it's a storytelling platform for women of different generations and different cultural backgrounds. I operate from the KWR gallery. I'm off this year. I'm still working. I took the year off because well, I didn't know COVID was going to hit, yeah. but um, I took the year off to just redesign. And I actually have a couple of meetings happening this week and all throughout this year so that we can relaunch probably in 2022. But basically it's, it's a platform to instill that sense of leadership in women that goes beyond what we do in the systems because the systems are patriarchal. The systems were created by men and there's leadership of women happening everywhere in the kitchen in every home. Right. And, and that's what I wanted to honor is just show that that translates that if you don't see yourself as a leader because you don't work outside of your home, that's not true. You are a leader and you can be a strong community leader and you're making decisions all the time. So I wanted to bridge that conversation. So that is what I do on my spare time, which is, yeah. you know, not a lot. Not a lot, clearly. <laughs> and I'm very passionate about it. Um, and you can find me on social media. I'm very accessible. Um, sometimes it takes me a little long to get back just because there's sometimes I'm influx. Like there's days that there's nothing, but then there's days like 10 people just decide to message me out one day. And, but Twitter, uh, I am uh, on Twitter and Instagram as 
Ms. Underscore C. Miranda on both accounts. And I also have Feminine Harbor's account, which I run, and it's uh, Feminine Underscore Harbor without a U. And that was on purpose. People think I didn't spell it right. And it's like, no, it was a choice. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, you know, a conversation piece. But anyway, so in, yeah, Facebook too, I am uh, there with Feminine Harbor. My Facebook account is private, but you can find me on LinkedIn. Professionally, I am active on LinkedIn as Carolina Miranda. So that is awesome. That's so great. I hope we can stay in touch because when you get Feminine Harbor in your new redesigned um, look of it, I would love to be involved in whatever way. So I just hope we can That's stay awesome. in touch. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being here. I so practical, so passionate, just all things that are really important to me and educators everywhere. So thank you so much. Thank and you I hope so you, much. Yeah. I hope you have a, a good year this year and I hope you stay well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Honey. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for being here and join me again next time when we have another guest to share their insights and education. Thank you and be well.